We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we are live. Welcome to the Saturday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark here on Sirius XM. We are live on YouTube. We are live on Twitter. If you are listening to the stream right now, please hit that like button. Please hit that subscribe button. We're losing Jeff Goodman, who does not have any feel for technology at the moment. So if you're watching on YouTube, I'm sorry about that. Uh, if, uh, hopefully you're sweating out the end of this McNeese Houston Baptist game with me. It's in the fourth overtime. The score is 137 to 134. My name is Rob Dosser. I am joined here by Randolph Childress. Hopefully we'll be joined by Jeff Goodman at some point tonight. He, be, he can ever figure out how to use a laptop computer. We're presented by our partners over at Bet River Sportsbook. And man, RC, we have got a lot to talk about tonight. Uh, we had a wild day in the SEC. Uh, we had a bid get punched. Murray State is officially dancing. They are in the NCAA tournament. We had buzzer beaters. The Missouri Valley Conference tournament went wild. But before we do any of that, we have to talk about Coach Case. Wait, no, I'm sorry. We have to talk about Kansas and Texas going into overtime, delaying the start of the broadcast for Duke in North Carolina. Uh, it's been a wild day, RC. What's going on, man? How you doing? I'm good, man. We got a lot to discuss. There was a lot going on in that, in that, that Carolina-Duke game, too. I lost the bet, actually. I actually made a bet saying that they would just switch automatically to the game. But they didn't. No, they did not. They did not. We got to watch the end of Kansas and Texas, which actually was a better game than what we saw at Duke, North Carolina. So let's let's start there. Let's start Duke, North Carolina, because this was Coach K's last game. They lost 94 to 81. What it seemed to me like this Duke team kind of came out a little bit tight. And, And look, we talked about this leading up to this game there was a lot of pressure on those kids and on those team or on those players, young players to be able to go out and perform in a situation like that. To me, that's what they came out with a lot of, you know, enthusiasm, making mistakes, turning the ball over, missing shots. I mean, that's a lot of pressure, not just that last game, but you look up and all the reasons why you went to Duke are sitting there also, you know, all the former players was there, you know, some hall of famers, a lot of guys were over there that, that, that made that uniform what it is. And so, you can see that when they came out today. There was no doubt about that. There was some anxiety about playing. But I thought they got themselves back into the game. But, you know, kudos to Carolina. They, they definitely were a better team tonight. Yeah, they, they were. I, I don't think Duke was able to stop them. How much pressure do you think that they were feeling? I mean, look, you you lost. You, you, were, the, yeah. you were the guys that lost Coach Hayes' last game ever in Cameron yeah. Indoor Stadium. Like, how do, you, how do you come back from that? You know what they look like? They look like a team that mentally tapped out from all of the – 
distractions this has provided all year long. And it came down to this last game, and they look like the young guys just crumbled under them. They look like they crumbled under the pressure of of, of their expectations of this this season long last dance of Coach K, and that's what the team looked like to me. Yeah, it was it was it was not the easiest situation as we have Jeff Goodman trying to figure this thing out, trying to get in on here. Uh, Jeff, I remember the first time that I ever used a cell phone. How you doing, man? I'm 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 great. Can you hear me? Yes, we you. can. We can. He's uh, back. Well, my, my, listen, my laptop wasn't working. I had to. I had to. Look at this. This is a mess. A complete disaster. But we're gonna make it work. We're gonna make it work. So you were in the building tonight. You were in Cameron Indoor Stadium. Talk us through uh, what that vibe was like, what the experience was like, what the scene was like, because at the end of the day, we had all this pomp and circumstance and show and this whole uh, this whole party for Coach K that got spoiled by the North Carolina Tar Heels. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll start with the lead up and, and, you know, obviously in, in Krzyzewski built today. It was awesome. You know, 70 degrees and it was packed there today. Um, the last couple of days were kind of underwhelming, to be honest. All the tents were gone by the time we kind of got there. There were some around the football stadium, but it just it didn't have the vibe. Um, and today it did. Today it did. And then you kind of got in and you're hearing the names. Who's going to show up? Jerry Seinfeld, Adam Silver. And obviously all the players you're hearing, you know, in the hundred range. And then the, the coolest part was definitely right before the game with 15 minutes on the clock, all the players walking out in two lines and then coach K walking in between them. And you, you just see like Christian Leitner just acting like a complete child, you know, laughing, screaming, Jay will screaming people using their cell phones, like grown men taking their cell phones out, like not just grown men, but like good players taking their cell phones out and like Andre Dawkins, you know, taking video of, of the crowd and everything that was going on. And, you know, Cameron's always, to me, 1A or 1B, and, and Randolph can talk about this as much as anybody. You know, it's 1A or 1B in terms of the best uh, environments in college basketball. And today it, it gets to a different level, obviously. But we saw the pressure. There was pressure on these kids. We didn't want to believe it, and we felt like, hey, they could coast through and still beat Carolina. Carolina played so loose. You could tell there was no pressure on. Them. Don't don't say we, okay? Don't say we. Don't say we. Say say I didn't believe it. Because what did I tell, what did I tell you? What did I tell you on Thursday night? What did I say? You you hedged. You double. You hedged as as much as anybody could ever hedge. So that's a bunch of bullshit. You did okay, not so think there was any chance Carolina was going to win I this did. game. I said no, I would not be not. surprised if North Carolina won. I oh, had their first half up. line. We'll, we'll play the not, other part of it. I did not. I did not take their full game line. What did you say? You said you, need, you said you would. You would need to lay forty-two points to take <laughs> North Carolina. Uh, no, but all serious. Let's let's talk about Carolina here, RC, because uh, the Tar Heels. Like, the, how long have we been saying it? I feel like we've been saying it for like six weeks. North Carolina has to win this game to get in the NCAA tournament. And how many times right. did we say they got to do it, but they ain't doing that. Right. I don't it. think any, I don't think any of us believe it. I, I think they're playing their best basketball. They've come a long way this year. The one thing I will say, and I had a vote for the ACC player of the year and all my vote, you know, for, for coach of the year and all those things. 
the one player I felt deserved some recognition that I didn't give any because I always say, you know, you got to give credit to guys that win. This team will finish second in the league. You know, you hear about Armando Baycott. We know, you know, we know he's going to be first team. You know, we talk about love, but I thought R.J. Davis is emerging as a really good point guard. His decision making, his ability to take shots, just yeah. watching him play a couple of times, he's he's gotten better and he's deserving of some recognition. And his consistency and his better play as a point guard allows that team and the other guys, the specialty guys, kind of do what they do. If he continues to be solid, we always know they got talent. But he's someone that deserves, you know, he deserves his flowers right now. He's been playing really, really well. Yeah, you know who else deserves their flowers is Hubert Davis. This was yes. a guy, I, I, I said this a week ago. Yeah. This was a guy that we were all crushing. All three of yes. us did. Well, yes, I don't, I don't we know did. If yes. Are, I did. I did. I did. I did. No doubt. We did. I did. And so, but, but, but deservedly and so. And yes. now, like you said, give him, give him his props because he earned it tonight. I mean, he came out there and got his team ready. And listen, I'll give K credit afterwards. This is kind of the, the cool part, too, was they lose. And you're like, all right, how is K going to handle this, this prepared post game ceremony, right? Where the president comes out. I don't even know who else spoke. I wasn't paying attention. Um, but like two or three people spoke, you know, bestowing honors on them. The president put a scholarship in their family's name, um, all this stuff. And then Kay, before this even starts, he grabs the mic and he basically says, this is impromptu. And he says, I'm sorry. That loss was unacceptable. And you hear his family. His family is basically trying to say, like, no, no, no. And he's like, no. Be quiet. Like, I want to do this. I'm sorry. This was unacceptable. Uh, but the season's not over. And then, again, they go through the whole ceremony. And then he takes the mic again for kind of a, you know, more prepared, thoughtful deal. And the cool here, – here was the coolest part. The coolest part of the night, honestly, and the part that got me emotional as a father was going over to, to his three daughters – afterwards after a loss like that and nearing the end and his 10 grandkids and they ran over and they got Michael Saverino who was on the bench like everybody else they couldn't even watch they played a video after and Paulo I don't know if you saw the the video I took Theo John could not even look up at the video they were like glazed looks in their eyes they, they, you know just so disappointed in, in what they had just done and then they ran over the, the other, I assume it was maybe his, his sister, ran over and got Michael Severino, the, the walk-on on the team, and brought him over. Uh, and they had kind of a group hug. And I, I don't know, maybe it's just bothering me now with my daughter going off to Indiana soon and, and just <laughs> understanding it and it hitting me. But I did. I got, I got really emotional at that point. Just again, the thought of this guy's career is basically coming to a conclusion now. And he, I was, I felt honestly very grateful to be in the building for this game. One of 9,300 people that was there to be able to watch the end of it. And I said that to Kay afterwards. I did. I went up to him at the very end. And I said, listen, man, I got into this business. I never thought I'd have a relationship with you or, or some of these other guys. And I appreciate you, you know, actually giving me the time of day. Right. Right. So does this does this kind of kill RC? Does this kill the hopes that Duke has of getting a, a, a one seed in this year's uh in this year's tournament? Well, no, because we know Arizona and Gonzaga, I think we 
pretty much sure they have the one. You know, Bell and Arizona. You don't think Arizona? Get the Arizona love for number one seed, but that's just me as an Arizona love. We'll, we'll get to we'll Arizona get to that. Love. We'll get that. We'll yeah, get to okay. that. We'll get to that. Well, we'll get to that. Right we'll now, that. I, I'll say that because I don't see anybody beat them in the Pac-12 tournament. That's why I think they'll get it. Right? I think Gonzaga will get. You know, they'll they'll get their number one seed. Auburn and Kentucky. How does that play out? Only one of them can get it. And and where does the Kansas? Be? I think they're outside looking in. Depending on how the Franklin's go, I, I think you know Kansas and, and the winner of the Auburn Kentucky kind of rounds it out. But I just Jeff, I don't. It's not like I think they have the best resume. I just don't believe there's no one that that I think they're going to win the Pac-12, and I and I just think that you have to give it to them at that point. That's why I say that. I just think if Wisconsin wins the Big Ten tournament, I would give it to Wisconsin over Arizona. I would personally. I think they deserve it. I just think that, again, I've been beating the drum. I know we're tired of hearing it, but. I just you look at it, look at it. It's not even comparable. If they both win their conference tournaments, Wisconsin's going to have to get through a lot more in its conference tournament than Arizona will. Listen, they're playing the sisters of the poor until they get to maybe UCLA. Hey, Jeff, before we, before we leave off Carolina, I got a question. Did you notice anything, you know, going through the handshake line, Curwell and those guys didn't shake their hand. Was there anything said about that? Like, wow, it was just, it was weird when they showed it. And I'm wondering, like, something's got to give because in that moment, I know Kay can't be happy about that, particularly because everybody saw it. Like, this is out there now. Like, I'm wondering, was anything said about that? Kay knew. I don't think Kay knew when he talked to us. I'd be surprised. Now, like, like Caleb Love was, man, was he getting after the the student, you know, the camera crazies. He was he was talking shit after the game to him. And, and rightfully so. Listen, you oh, just you, wanted you, to. You, you, no, you have to because – I myself got some some flack for that. I threw ball, I threw gum, I threw everything. But the what they say to you at times, like you 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 earn the right to say it back. You went in there with the stuff that flies out of those kids' mouths. You damn right you get to repeat and go back at them. So I'm not faulting love for anything that. But again, we go back to that same thing with the, the handshake line or whatever. Like you got your ass kicked. You was out there. I don't care. You you shake their hand. You just got your ass whooped. And Hubert, listen. You will never, ever, ever hear anybody say a bad word about Hubert Davis. Never, as a yeah. human being. I don't know. I'll find out. I'll find out, but I, I don't know yet. I, I do know that Caleb Love and Theo John have had a – they've been having a little bit of a uh, a war of the words on Instagram and on Twitter, and, and, like, diving into what has actually happened there is not really something that we need to do uh, on the radio right now. But they have there, – there was a little beef, which is why in the first half, remember when Theo John fell down? And tackled Caleb Love. You saw Caleb Love get up and kind of get up in his face before Theo was like, "Yo, my look, my bad. I just I fell over. My bad. I didn't mean to do that." But they've they they were going at it. They were going at it for a little while. So um, I wonder if that also played a role uh, in it as well. What's what's the ceiling for this North Carolina team? Because the frustrating thing for me about them is this is what this is the team that I expected to see all season long. Sure, this was what I thought this group was going to be able to do all season long, and. The fact that it took uh, playing at Cameron in a game like this, RC, to be able to to get that out of them is something that is, you know, it's it's a little frustrating that it took this long to be able to see this kind of performance out of that team. Well, it's the only team they provided all year long that we respected the resume of them enough to say, hey, this is a qualified win. Everyone else kicked their ass. Like, you know, yeah. they, they deserved all the bashing we gave them. And, and they've gotten better. Like I said, we talked about it. They, they, they didn't deserve anything early on. And, and it wasn't just close losses. They were 20-point butt whoopings. 
you know, and so they set a record. They lost by over 50 points in back-to-back losses to Wake and Miami and teams that were we didn't have in. They were like bubble teams. They're barely in now. This is and, their and first win over a tournament team, that, unless yes. you count Michigan. Michigan yes. is, a, is technically, I guess, a tournament team, and they're going to have to do some work to get in. Right, right now, I think they're probably on the wrong side of the bubble. I think the fielding, the 68 guys, had them on the wrong side of the bubble. So that is the only win that North Carolina has over a tournament team, and they might right. not even be a tournament team. So they finally got – this was big. They needed this. I, I felt like this was more about Duke in a way than it was about Carolina. I just didn't think Duke played well at all. Defensively, like you can't let R.J. Davis get to the basket. He was getting the basket whenever he wanted tonight with no help. And like Mark Williams, he never kind of got in a flow. Never ran away. Like they had a couple – they actually had a couple blocks, one by Griffin late that turned into a Mark Williams dunk that I thought that was going to be it. And really – when I thought it was going to be it was when Baycott picked up his second foul. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like five minutes left in the first half. And I looked over at Norlander, who was sitting next to me, and I said, they're going to be up. You watch. Duke's going to be up by eight at the end of the first half. And I don't even know what they're up by. Was it more than eight, ten, something like that uh, in the first no, half? They were no, up, they, no, two. They were, two. They were up two at halftime, but that's because right. North Carolina hit two threes. Hit the exactly. minute. Right. It was like eight or ten quickly after Baycott mm-hmm. got his second. And he was pleading. He was pleading Sean May to let him go back in the game. And I actually thought he should. I thought they were going to honestly, I thought the game was going to be over. It looked like it was going to be at that point. And then they were able to go in uh, at the half down too, which was huge for Carolina. But I, I think Duke's got some stuff they got to clean up here on the defensive end. And, and yeah, to me, uh, it, I mean, I'm telling you, they just – they didn't they, look they, good defensively. They they do, and they're they're not great defensively, um, right? Like they have the tools to be good, but Mark Williams can get beat a little bit of ball screens, and and um, but the, I think at the end of the day, like this was to me, this was about what North Carolina can be when they play their best, when they're actually engaged, when they're actually trying hard. Because my thing with this Carolina team, and Jeff, we talked about this way back at Mohegan Sun they lost to Tennessee. Yeah. This team can't take a punch, right? But tonight they did. Tonight, Duke went on that run. Like North Carolina was up yeah. early, and then Duke went up eight or ten at the end of the first half, and North Carolina answered. And that was the first time that we've seen them get punched and answer. Right? The, the, True. We've we've seen them have issues on the defensive end of the floor all season long, and that's never going to change. They, they they don't have great individual defenders, and we don't have do great indiv- individual defenders. It's very hard to be a good defensive team. But they have enough weapons offense. Like, you give me Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, Brady Mannix, space in the floor, and Armando Baycott inside, and you should be able to get me 80 points any night, any given night. So, to yeah. me, it was the fact that, one, they didn't roll over and die when they got punched, and, two, they found a way to get it done, and they kept playing hard. Like, that, that is what we've been looking for out of this North Carolina. R.C., yeah, you cover the ACC, man. You're, you're on the ACC network. You do this. Tell, am I wrong there? Like, I feel like this is we finally saw North Carolina hit their ceiling and be their best. I'm wondering if it's that though, Rod or I mean, Rob, or is it because it's a rivalry? If you can't right. get up for the ACC, yeah. I mean, the, the, probably the greatest rivalry in college athletics. Like, if you can't get up for that, you got no pulse. And let's be honest, that arena, that I mean, Jeff, you was there. It had to be amazing. I mean, you got yeah. movie stars. Yeah. I mean, you got the commissioner of the NBA. You have yeah. everybody. That's that's the best arena of environment. athletes environment. Yeah that you they're ever going to play in yeah. that any of those kids ever going to play in and, and they, and just, they were loose 
And, they and were yeah, loose. And, and Duke and Duke helped them. I, I believe if Duke came out early and punched them in the mouth and really played well early, then I, I, I wonder if that comes out. But they were the team that got going early. So it was like, all right, you know what? We know we belong. We know we can play with these guys. Then when Armando goes in that little run, then they come back and hit those threes and get back, and then they play. I'm like, all right, we got ourselves a game. They were feeding off of it. They were the ones mm-hmm. that feeding off it. And my biggest concern, I'll go back with Jefferson. I'm more worried about Duke because they look like a bunch of young guys that just exhausted from all of the Coach K talk. Like these, we say and, we and want that might be they're a young team, and they look like they are crumbling under, like, it's been all – you know, you guys know it's like being around in a professional locker room and you get beat down. It's like the Lakers or something. You get beat down with all this negative talk all year long, and these are, they're, they're a young team. There's no veteran senior leadership going there. They're a freshman, sophomore-led team. I think they're crumbling under the expectation, this fairware tour, all the stuff that's come with it. I think it's just wearing these guys out. Well, I made that point before this game started, right? Like, I think that this game – was going to be about Coach K more than it was going to be about Duke playing North Carolina for a of number of reasons. But the, the biggest the biggest reason why, what, what is Duke playing for here, right? The only thing that they were playing for was to give Coach K a win on his last in his last game. And when That's you're when, one, when, yeah, but I know, but but when the when the level is okay, you just got to make sure you don't lose in Coach K's last game, as opposed yeah. to okay, we need this win to win an ACC regular season title. We need this win to make sure we're going to be a number one seed. We need. This I, think win this. We this win I think it's more pressure. It's more pressure. That's what, I that's what I'm team. saying. That's what, no, that's what I'm saying. Is like Duke. There was nothing to gain from this win. There was only stuff to lose for Duke, right? Whereas North Carolina, they are playing for their NCAA tournament lives. And I think we saw them play like that. Whereas we saw a Duke team that was playing like, oh, shit, I really hope we don't lose this game. But listen, we have we have to take a break. Um, when we come back, coming up next, I'm going to make sure that Jeff Goodman knows for a fact that Wisconsin <laughs> should not will not and never will be a number one C. You are not going to want to. You're clear. Um, Dagan, YouTube, the YouTube, the YouTube people are going to see this. Dagan, do we want to try to get Jeff onto the, the regular stream or do you want to? No, nah, just leave him, him there. Leave him and leave him like this. It's, it's working. Yep. We'll leave him. But I have a question. It's not related to UQNC. We'll move on from that. We talked about that long enough. But it is something we talked about before the show that nobody heard. Is McNeese Houston Baptist the highest total ever? And I feel like this needs to be brought up because the game was 149 to 144 in four. No, there was there, there was a game there there was a game a couple of years ago that was like 188 to 141 or something. But yeah, it ended up that, so that that was the the, the McNeese Houston Baptist game was one, one of the wildest games I've ever seen. It went to four overtimes, right? The final score was 149 to 144. Houston Baptist won. I had the McNeese State money line, which is why I was watching this game at the end of the third overtime, right? McNeese State hits a three with 0.65 seconds left on the clock. Yes, 0.65 because the clock in the Houston Baptist gym has hundreds of a second. There was 0.65 seconds left on the clock, but the buzzer went off. So the McNeese players ran on the court. So you know what that means? Bop. They got hit with a technical foul. They go and make a free throw at the other end, force the fourth overtime. I've never been so mad about a a result in my life. Bet Rivers, I want you to refund my bet. That's what I'm going to say right now. That's ridiculous. These officials. It's not the ref show. We're here to see McNeese State Houston 15. Baptist. We're not here to see you call technical fouls on players trying to celebrate a game winner. What is this? Ten seconds. I'm upset. I might be more upset than Coach K was about five losing seconds. to North Carolina. Today. He handled it well. He actually there handled it very well.
It is the field of 68 after dark. We are back. We have Randolph Childress, Jeff Goodman with the Coach K Bobblehead. And my name is Rob Darks. We're presented by our partners over at Bet Rivers. We are live on Sirius XM channel 84. That is the ESPNU station. We're over on YouTube. If you're watching there, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. Help us out. It really does help grow the channel. It helps more people find these videos, which is always great for us. We got a bar burner in Westwood right now, guys. It's 47 all USC. UCLA, a top 20 matchup out in the Pac-12. That's not what we're going to talk about. We'll get into that in a little bit. We got to talk one seeds. I think right now, correct me if I'm wrong. I know, Jeff, you don't want Arizona as a one seed. But if you look at all of the bracketologists and you look at all the projections, it's pretty much a given that right now Gonzaga and Arizona are in all likelihood going to end up being two number one seeds. I think most people have Baylor as the third number one seed in their bracket projections. That leaves Auburn. That leaves Kentucky. That leaves Kansas, and that leaves Duke is the four teams that really have a shot to climb up to that one seed line. Duke's Duke, got no shot now. Duke's Duke, got no well, shot now. Yeah, Duke lost today, right? So that probably eliminates them from the conversation, which means we have Auburn, who beat South Carolina 82-71 to today. We have Kansas, who knocked off Texas 70-63 to in overtime. And we have Kentucky, who went into Gainesville and beat Florida 71-63. to uh, Jeff, I'm going to start with you on this. Don't bring up the Wisconsin stuff yet. We'll get into that in a minute. But out of those three teams, who do you think is the most likely to end up on the one seed line? And is that the same team that you would have there today? So, Like you said, Gonzaga, Arizona, I think are, are, are fine. Most people have them, even though I would not have Arizona. But Baylor, yes. Kansas, if they win the Big 12 tournament, I think they could knock Baylor off and take it. And I think whoever wins the SEC out of Kentucky or Auburn will get the other number one. I think that's what's going to happen. Duke, I think, is out. And, again, I'm not even going to bother making the case for Wisconsin. I understand they're not going to be a number one. Uh, Personally, I think they should be. But I'm not going to waste everybody's time, again, with the fact that they clearly have the best resume of probably any of those teams. RC, where are you at with it? I think it's the winner of Auburn, Kentucky. Uh, I don't think it changes. I think I agree with Jeff, except for the Wisconsin, unless Wisconsin was to come out and win. I don't see how Wisconsin gets a one. I think it's a foregone conclusion. Arizona, Gonzaga, far away. Duke has no shot. I think it's the winner, you know, the Auburn. Kansas, again, if they beat, if Baylor exits early, Kansas wins it, I think Kansas gets in. But it would have to be Baylor taking a first-round early exit out of the tournament. And then I think Auburn, Kentucky win against the other one, see the other ones against the two. So I I have a very hard time seeing Kansas climb up to the one seed line. And the biggest reason why is I don't know if they can jump past Kentucky. They lost, they lost by 800,000 points at home against Kentucky, right? They got (laughs) smacked. They got embarrassed at home by Kentucky. And you, and you're going to tell me that Kansas can climb up past them. Look, I I, I get it. I understand the the people that do these, the resumes and the, the brackets and all that stuff. I get it. You don't want just head to head samples are the worst possible sample when it comes to comparing two teams, right? You need, why are you doing it? Well, you need to look at the whole body of work. And I think the whole body of work for both those teams are close enough that you need to go down to head to head to break a tiebreaker and the head to head right now is Kentucky waltzing in the fog out of field house where nobody wins and beating them by 20 points. I, I just, I don't see how you can put Kansas over Kentucky and if you can't put Kansas over Kentucky and they're not in front of yeah, Kentucky right now. You're not in front of Baylor right now. That's a lot that they have to jump. So I don't know if I can see Kansas getting there. Baylor. I have questions about whether or not they can actually get it done, but they got like 11 quad one wins right now, man. 
Like that, but they, if they Kansas have... beats Baylor, so let's say right. Auburn beats Kentucky, yes. and I don't even know. I haven't looked at the bracket, but let's say Auburn beats Kentucky and Kansas beats Baylor, and that's how it ends. You can make a case. Is all we're saying is like you could clearly make a case that if Kansas wins the Big Twelve tournament, beats Baylor in the championship game, and Auburn beats Kentucky, you can make a case. Yeah, I could see the argument. The other question I have for you guys is with Baylor, right? We've seen what they are when they are at full strength and we know how good they can be. They don't have Jonathan Chamachachwa. LJ Cryer is, in my understanding, Jeff, you're, you're more connected than I am, so correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is that it seems pretty unlikely that LJ Cryer will come back, and if he does, it's pretty unlikely that he will be at his uh, at his LJ Cryer best, so to speak. So. Yeah. Yeah, without those, without no those doubt. two pieces, without those two pieces, yeah. do you do you want to put that like? Is that something that will come into the the minds of the committee when they're seating Baylor or no? Yeah, it's it has to, right? I mean, RC like they lost their top big man, and they've been without their their leading scorer now, who's completely uncertain uh, for the Big Twelve and the NCAA tournament. So yeah, I I think absolutely if you're if you're the committee. You can look at them, and they've still been good late. But they 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 started out fifteen and zero, guys. They started out fifteen and zero, and they've been, you know, good but not great since, you know, their injuries. So I I don't again I wouldn't probably put them at, at number one unless they win the Big Twelve tournament. That's the right. only way I'm putting them right. as a number one seed. That's right. I, I don't think they will. I think the injuries will catch up with them. I think they're good enough to. To beat yeah. a couple of teams, and, and you know, I, I, but I don't see them with the injuries even being a final four team. Who do you think is the most dangerous? All right, forget where, where they're going to end up being seated. You got those, uh, we could throw Duke in that conversation as well. You got those four teams, right? Auburn, Kentucky, Kansas, and Duke. Who is the most dangerous? Who are you backing? Who do you think can go and make a run to the national title? Uh, RC, RC, let's go with you first on that one. I, 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 I think Auburn, I think they're the healthiest of the group. Ooh. Ooh, really? I think that, I, yeah, I, I think Kentucky. I, I don't. No, I think it's Auburn. Why? Why not Kentucky? Because I say this: when a game gets close, and we can say if this guy played well, that guy played well. I think Jabari Smith's the best player on the floor, and I, he's just shown me the ability to get to his spots. He wants the ball in those moments, like give it to me. The ice on him at the elbow. They find a place to give it to him. He wants it, and he's the best player on the floor. He's not so, like Paulo Bencaro where he concerns me where he starts. He's like tonight, not making perimeter shots, and then he has to go to his bully ball game. Jabari just does it effortlessly, and I think he's the best. I think he's the best player in the country. Can I make one so, point on Jabari Smith real quick before you go? Yeah, go Jabari mm-hmm. Smith, his last six games, he's averaging 25 points, seven boards, two assists, and shooting over 60% from three. That dude has figured it out and put it together, and he's playing his best basketball right now. Heading into the month of March, that's dangerous. Do you know who has not figured it out? Wendell Green. <laughs> Wendell Green. He has not figured it out. So Jabari can figure it out all he wants. But at the end of the game, Wendell Green's got the ball in his hands and he doesn't understand, I have to get the ball to this dude. That's the difference for me. Severe Wheeler understands who he needs to get the ball to. And that's critical for me. I just don't trust Auburn's point guard situation. And you know what matters to me, point guard play, point guard play. And you trust Amir Wheeler? You trust him? More than, more than, yes, more than Wendell Green because 
Samir Wheeler understands who he is. He has to because they're not going to guard him, right? Like, I, I, and he, he's a good player. You're right. I give him credit for that because I, I don't want to feel like I'm, I'm crushing the kid. But he has had some high turnover games where he's been questionable. But Auburn started figuring that out and giving it to him. They started giving it to Jabari and saying, like, you know, win the green. And they're going to need him to do that because there's going to be a game in a tournament that he goes off right. and hits these wild, contested shots. And we're going to be like, all right, he, he's starting to figure it out. Uh-oh. And right. he gets and, going. And, and, and he does his, Go ahead. And to Wendell's credit, he finished today 10.7 assists, a big old goose egg he, in the turnover column, and he only took seven shots. Well, Jabari got 12 off and got to Who the, did they the play again? eight times. Who did Auburn uh, play? A team that was 500 in the best conference in college basketball, according to John Calipari. And anybody that's 500 in the best conference in college basketball, according to John Calipari, <laughs> should be in the NCAA tournament. So, Here therefore, South Carolina should be an NCAA tournament team, according to John Calipari. And we all know how much you respect hey, John hey, Calipari's hey. basketball opinion. Just wants Frank Martin to keep his job because he's not scared yeah. of Frank Martin down in South Carolina. Oh, oh there, there, there you go. Well, why, why do you just assume that everything John Calipari says is spin? He might be being sincere. He might be John Calipari, Cal, and Rick Pitino. I've said, listen, when Pitino tweeted what he tweeted about Maryland, I'm happy at Iona. You know, I'm not going to Maryland. I'm not the guy. Just remember, here's what I do with Rick Pitino. Whatever he says, I just flip it. I just flip it around. <laughs> it's an easy thing. Well, listen, listen, we have a lot to get to. Uh, coming up next, we're going to dive into some of these uh, championship games that we saw today. We're going to talk a little bit about Arkansas and Tennessee, uh, and we're going to tell you about a crazy situation that is happening in one of the conference tournaments that – uh, has created a situation where the team that wins the league tournament title may not end up getting an automatic big. You don't want to miss that. It's crazy. What? Huh? Yeah. Jeff, Cle- have Jeff clearly has been out of the loop. Don't worry, Jeff. No just wait. And, just wait and you'll find out. I yeah. am. I'm um, excited. All right. This is like yeah. a, a knowledge show for me. I'm learning like everybody else. Yeah, um, you're going to learn a lot about Wisconsin not being a number one seed if you keep going like this. Hey, chat, listen up. Hit, hit us with questions while you're there. We got a lot of people watching right now live. Remember, we have White Claws. They will be shotgun. We're going to set the line at 200 likes tonight to be able to do it. I have to go to a birthday party Here. tomorrow. So if you're, so I if got you're going to nothing, so that, that's, your, that's your fault. You've been there for Four three minutes. days. I know they got liquor stores down there in Durham. I know they got beer stores down there. That's on you. That's on you. That sounds like a no. Problem. I got them from the tent. The problem. people in the tent were giving me drinks, so I didn't even have to go down. Man, good point. Killer. Good point. Um, uh, Dagan, we got any questions? Yeah, yeah, we do. Kind of similar to, to Wisconsin. I know the answer to this probably already, but I'm going to ask anyway. Uh, does Providence have any chance of getting to the one line if they win the Big East tournament? Come on, come on. Thirty seconds. Do, do we need no to, do we need I, just, I was just wanting to make sure. Just zero. Listen, <laughs> no. if Providence gets here ahead of, of Wisconsin, I'm I'm retiring. I'm I'm done. I'm done with this. You, you can say goodbye to me. <laughs> I I've Ten never seconds. wanted I've never wanted Providence on the one line more than I do right now. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> go Friars. Five seconds. There you go.
We are back. It is the Field of 68 After Dark Live on Sirius XM Channel 84. That is the ESPNU station. My name is Rob Doster. I have with me Stadium Insider Jeff Goodman, Wake Forest legend Randolph Childress. We're presented by our partners at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. We have a lot to get to here, guys. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, jump in the chat, ask us questions. Uh, I want to start with this. Um, Jeff, stop shaking the bobblehead, man. That's what's appearing in the background. Uh, I, I want to start with this because we're we're going to get into the conference tournament title games and, and some of the insanity that's that's uh, that's happening over there. We did have a ticket punched. I want to open on Purdue and Indiana because we've talked a lot about how this Purdue team has their issues, and I think we saw it today. RC Xavier Johnson finished 18 points, 12 assists, did whatever he wanted to in ball screens, and if it wasn't for the single dumbest shot that I've seen at the end of a, at the end of a game in the history of college basketball, it's way up there. It's uh, Xavier Johnson and really? Roscoe Smith in 2010. Do you guys remember that when he took the full court shot yeah. with 10 seconds? Left? Yes. That was top. way dumber. Yeah, that was way dumb. Okay. So the number two, but anyway, so uh, I don't think Purdue's guys can, can guard ball screens. I have all those issues defensively. We'll talk about Purdue in a second. Indiana is the team that's in the question here. RC, can they get in the tournament? Where do you think they stand and was losing to Purdue? What do they have to do with the big 10? They gotta, win it. they gotta win they it. Gotta they gotta win it. They gotta win it. Well, they gotta make well, they at least gotta get to the championship game. And I don't see either either one happening. I just don't see them getting there. I mean, you can't finish with a losing record in, in, in the in the Big Ten and expect to expect to get there. Um tonight they gotta change. It's one of the better leagues. I mean, you can go four games under in in the Big Twelve and get in. Why can't you get in two games under in the Big Ten? I I, I say this, I don't think they deserve to get in. I just don't. I, I don't think they. I think they're a team we had on the outside looking at anyway. But I don't. I don't. I don't think they're good enough. I don't think they've been. They've got enough wins. I don't think they're. I just don't think they belong in it. I mean, we can give it to them because they're Indiana and they they they're in the Big Ten. But they needed this game tonight. There needed to be a level of desperation. Unless they make a run in the Big Ten tournament, I don't see them being in. Um, I, I will stick up for my uh, my Indiana Hoosiers. My daughter's in Bloomington right now. And uh, with my wife, and I have to make some fans in Indiana, in Bloomington. So I'm going to stick up for Indiana and, and fight for the Hoosiers right now and say that uh, if they win a game in the in the Big Ten tournament, I think they play – Just one? Do we, do we know who they play? Do they play Michigan? They got Michigan game? in the first game, then they get Wisconsin yeah. if they win it. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say if they beat Michigan, I think they're a first four team. No. No. They got to beat Wisconsin, and we both know that ain't happening. No, that ain't happening. That ain't happening. That ain't happening. I say, here's what I say, RC. Here's what I say is the committee needs a brand name in the first four. Carolina is no longer in the equation for the first four. Michigan could be. But, I, I again, I could see Indiana or Michigan. One of those two, to me, has to be in the first four because you're not watching a first four with, like, Rutgers against – you know, Wyoming or something. Nobody cares. You got to have a brand, and Indiana's a brand. It doesn't matter because it, it, you got to reward a team like Wyoming or someone like that. If there's ever going to be a year you can justify it, this is the year. If you do something like that and just give it to another Power Five team, you're going to get crushed with North. And this, this is the I guess year you could throw deserving yourself. You could throw Memphis in the first four, and that suffices. But you need somebody. Is all I'm saying. Yeah. You need yeah. somebody that's gonna get you some some ratings and some momentum. And and that's not like BYU or SMU or 
you know, even up Florida. Like I'm just thinking of the teams and I'm just, I keep going back to Indiana. Yeah. I, I mean, it makes a lot of sense, but I still think you have to, to earn it to be able to get there. And right now for me that they're not, they've lost seven of their last nine. If they lose to Michigan in the first round of the big 10 tournament, that's eight of their last 10 games. And so they, they gave some of those, away. like they gave away the yeah. Rutgers game. They had a real chance to win after they were up by five late in that game. Uh, they, they gave away. It was the, the Wisconsin at home. They gave that game away too. They, they had no business losing that game. They were winning that game all the way through. They, they should they should not be in a situation where we're talking about them on the bubble at this point. And I just want to, for the record, I just want to put it out there. If Memphis beats Houston tomorrow at noon, then we don't even need to talk about the first four because those dudes, they're, they're in, they're in, they're in. So um, I, what about, uh, here, so here's the interesting one to me. I think that there is a clear kind of delineation between about the top 13 teams or so, the, the very top four seed and then everybody else. Uh, but I do want to know, what you guys think about Purdue versus Tennessee versus Arkansas. Because I do think that Tennessee and Arkansas are probably, they are up there among the hottest teams in college basketball right now. I don't know who, who was playing better than Arkansas coming into today's game. And Arkansas uh, trailed by 29, uh, by 23 at one point at Tennessee uh, before coming back and almost winning that game. But Tennessee, Arkansas, those two teams are dangerous, RC. It wouldn't shock me if one of those teams are in the SEC final, I mean, championship game. Like it wouldn't shock me if they yeah. if they pull an upset and beat a Auburn and Kentucky. I mean, those four teams in that league, like, is anybody playing any better than them? I mean, you know, Arkansas and Tennessee are playing just great. But I'm mean, again, those are the you can make an argument that that, that might be the best league. I, I think right now it's the best league in, in college basketball. So I'm not surprised. I actually expect one of them to pull an upset and get to the final. It just wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking, I'm, I'm looking at the bracket now, and you're seeing kind of how it could break. And again, you know, you could get an an Auburn Arkansas semis and a Tennessee Kentucky semis, and both of those, I don't think you will. I think you'll have some upsets in this league. I really yeah. do. I, yeah, I, I could see Tennessee. They're yeah. so good in in Knoxville, but if you get them out of there, they've kind of been mediocre, and they're going to get the winner of Mississippi State South Carolina in the quarters. That's not a given by any means. So uh, Alabama plays Kentucky potentially in the quarters. That's a hell of a game because you, you never know what you're going to get from the Crimson Tide. Have no idea. I agree with you. I think the SEC, listen, to me, you got like you know three or four leagues that are, well, actually, almost every league's been great other than the ACC and the Pac-12. They stink this year. They're boring. They stink. Every other league has been competitive. It's been fun. And the SEC, to me, probably you're right because you look at it and you're like, they got personalities too for the coaches. Muss is a, a wild man. Cal Perry's Cal Perry. Nate Oates is kind of crazy. Bruce Pearl. I mean, they got they got some dudes coaching. They got four teams that we could legitimately say could win the league. And I don't know how any other conference that we can say, hey, without a question, four teams think, to win. Like, yeah. None of us would be shocked. Teams- I think all four of those teams can get to a final four. And that's to say I, I, nothing of, yeah. of LSU, yeah. who's 16 and two yes. with Xavier Pinson on the floor. To say nothing of Alabama, who has beaten Gonzaga in yeah. Seattle. They've beaten Houston and they beat some. Did they beat Auburn? Who else did they beat? They have another really good win that I'm blanking on. The uh, same the week they beat uh, Gonzaga, they had a great win. It was Houston. They beat Gonzaga and Houston right. the same week, right? They got some. I can't, I'll, I'll look it up in a second. But uh, then Arkansas has won. 14 of they, beat last... they beat Arkansas. They beat Arkansas. Yeah, they won 14 of the last 15. Um, 
coming into today. Tennessee has won 12 of their last 14, right? They lost at Kentucky 107 to 79. Remember that they lost by 30 to Kentucky. Since then, they've won 12 out of 14. They've won nine of their last 10. They, they've been they've been on fire. They figured out they're making shots. Kennedy Chandler's playing like, I mean, how many, how many point guards right now, Goodman? You love point guard play. That is your favorite thing on the planet is to talk about yeah, point guard is. play. How it many is. point guards right now in college basketball would you take over Kennedy Chandler? The NBA might take one, believe it or not. Like Kennedy Chandler, when you talk to NBA guys, and it's not a great crop, but they, they say to me all the time, they're like, other than like Ty Ty, and he's not a true point, he's a combo. Kennedy Chandler might be like the number one point guard on their board. And he's looked a lot more consistent lately. Like, I just, I wasn't a believer of Kennedy Chandler early in the year because I, I felt like every time I saw him, I didn't know what I was getting. But to me, he's been more consistent lately. And listen, give Rick Barnes credit. I mean, he's done a hell of a job with that, that group. They could get to the two line. If they get to the SEC title game, I think they're a two seed. Mm-hmm. I think any one of those teams in the SEC can get up to that two seed line. I, you know, I, I think I don't. Well, think not Alabama Arkansas and not not LSU, but you're, I don't think you know, Arkansas is that far away. I no, they're not, probably not. A, they, they'd have to win the league. They'd have to win the league tournament. Yeah, but if they beat, so they're they're going to be the four seed. So if they beat, uh, they would. I think it will end up being Alabama in the in the quarterfinals, then Auburn in the semis, and then Kentucky or Tennessee in the title game. And you have a team that has then won, I think it would be 17 of their last 19 games with that resume and those yeah. wins added to it. You're telling as much me as we can't get a two or a three. As much as we want to see the Auburn Kentucky championship, I don't believe both of them are going to make it. Those two, Tennessee and Arkansas, is playing too well right now. I just want, if we get that, that final four, yeah. man, that's, that is going to be a fun final. I, I might have to fly down to Tampa for that one. <laughs> All right, listen, we, uh, we got to talk about these. Uh, these conference title games. We got Murray State is dancing. Uh, we have a Jacksonville, it's Jacksonville Bellarmine final that is is crazy. It's going to be wild. We're going to talk about that coming up next. Clear. All right, chat. Keep hitting that like button, guys. Keep hitting that like button. We're at ninety now. Let's see if we can get up to two hundred by uh, by the time the afters is all said and done. Dagan, we got any questions? Looking through here. Um, lot, lot I'm surprised. Of, I'm surprised yeah. no one asked good asked a question about what was going on with Goodman at the start of the show. What do you mean? I was trying to get situated. I just <laughs> came in from from Cameron. I, I trying to figure it out, and it, I don't know what didn't work. Something didn't work. Here's a question: Going back to Duke, is this the worst uh, loss in Duke history? One minute. Uh, I don't know if I would call it the worst loss in Duke history. They did lose to a 15 seed at one point. Um, they lost to a 14 seed at one point. Um, but I do think that it is without a doubt, the funniest loss in Duke history. And I do think this is probably up there among the greatest wins that North Carolina has ever had, uh, in in Cameron. I don't know how many they had in Cameron, but I don't know how many, um, how many would have been better than this. 30. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, no doubt it was again, I was just I, I was impressed at, at how Kay Kay was kind of joking afterwards once he had some time to kind of process it. He was really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it took him a second, but I, I thought it was like, man, he 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 hates this. And then right. he came around. I think when he realized, like, I got all these guys back Five. here. 
Yeah, and he saw his grandkids. I'm telling you, that did. That did. We are live. It is the field of 68 after dark. Rob Doster, Jeff Goodman, Randolph Childress. We're live on Sirius XM Channel 84. That is the ESPNU station. We're live over on YouTube. If you're watching there, jump in the chat. Ask us questions. We have the afters coming up next. Can we get up to 200 likes on this video? That would be great if we can make it happen. Gentlemen, we need to talk about some of these automatic bids because it's getting crazy in the Atlantic Sun. Uh, Goodman, I don't think that you even know what's happening here. So are you aware of what's going on in the Atlantic Sun Conference Tournament right now? No, no. Enlighten me, please. Okay. I'm, I'm dying to hear here. Let, let me break this down. We had the Atlantic 10 semifinals today. Bellarmine beat Liberty. So Bellarmine is in the title game of the Atlantic Sun Tournament, but Bellarmine is not eligible for the NCAA tournament because I think they're in their second or third year as a division one program. Yeah. Jacksonville state was the top seed. Jackson, right. If Bellarmine wins the Atlantic, the Atlantic sun tournament title game, the top yeah. seed gets the automatic bid. The the, the whoever won the, the league's regular Who are they playing? title. That's, Who's Bellarmine playing? Bellarmine is playing Jacksonville. And that's where this gets even crazier. The one that one of the semifinals was Jacksonville against Jacksonville state. Jacksonville won. Jacksonville was a lower seeded team. Jacksonville State won the regular season championship. So Jacksonville State is going to get the automatic bid if Jacksonville beats Bellarmine. Uh, no, if Jacksonville loses to Bellarmine in the Atlantic Sun tournament title game tomorrow. Do you have, I know you have no idea what is happening with all of that. I hope people that are listening uh, had a chance to, to kind of figure that out. But I don't think I've ever seen a situation like this happen before. Jacksonville State lost in the semifinals and still could end up being the Atlantic Suns uh, automatic bid into the NCAA tournament. I think it's ridiculous. Why Why? Why would you not let Bellarmine go? How can Bellarmine not they go? They can't. Yeah, they're not allowed to. It's, it's, I, it's why? the dumbest it's, rule. I know. It's the dumbest rule that they don't that they've got this like four year window that you've got to wait to be eligible. Once you come into uh division one, I, I don't like it. You know, again, I've seen it hurt teams like Merrimack a couple of years ago when they won their league, they weren't eligible for the, the postseason tournament. It just, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. It's it's I, I hate it. Um, anyway, let's talk about some teams that are actually able to well and win an automatic bid tonight. We had one. It was the Murray State Racers. They knocked yeah. off Moorhead State in the Ohio Valley Tournament title game. Uh, RC, let's go to you first in this one. Murray State, just how good is this team? Listen, they're really good. I, I think everything with them is predicated on where they see it in the tournament. I mean, they're a team that could win a couple of games, but they're, they're a team. They get the wrong matchup. I think they got to, they can get an early exit. I, mean, I think it's all about where do we see them fitting? Where, 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 where does the committee place them in the tournament? They get the wrong matchup against the dominant big inside. I think they're going to have an early exit. I just don't know how you can give them a bad seed at this point. Like, to me, no, I think they're really you're right. Good one. Yeah. Like, you, don't, you almost don't want, if you're them, you don't want an 8-9. You're not going to get a 7. So you want that 10, don't you? I mean, that's probably what you want is that 10 seed, I think. Why, why wouldn't they get a seven? Let me ask you that. Why Why wouldn't they get a seven? Well, if you, Maybe. Go, 29, I guess if they you could. go 29 and two as a mid-major and you win at Memphis, right? Well, what else do you have to do to be able to, like there's there's almost nothing else that they can do to be able to, to better what they are. So if you're telling me a team can go 29 and two, 
go completely undefeated in the in a good Ohio Valley. Morehead State is it's a not team. a great Ohio Valley. That's the see, that's the issue. It's not a great Ohio Valley this year. Belmont's down a little bit, and honestly, it's not great. But they beat Chattanooga's good. Middle Tennessee's been good this year. They won year. at Memphis. I, like I don't know. I, know. I don't I know what you Long can Beach expect State. out of this team. Yeah. No, they listen. I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. And one of their two losses came against Auburn on the road. The other one, they have one bad loss, East Tennessee State, uh, on a neutral court way back on November 22nd. So I'm kind of with you. Maybe they'll give them a seven. I, I just I, – I don't feel confident. I, I think they'll probably be an eight, nine, and, and then you, you end up having to play one of the big boys in the second round. You get knocked out. Yeah, I, I, I'm – honestly, I hope they can sneak up to a six because if this team can get to the six line, I don't know they if it's possible. Shot. It might be right. they their their computer numbers are like they got good metrics. I know you hate metrics, Goodman. All right. So just I love metrics. Off, I'm a huge metrics guy. I'm, so I'm I'm looking you're at it right now. Guy. I'm looking at it right now. According to fielding the 68, they are the last seventh seed at the moment. That was before tonight's win. So hopefully a win over Morehead State is going to be the uh the difference maker for them. But in all seriousness, Tevin Brown, stud, total stud. Juice Hill is a guy that's gone for 30 plus couple times already this season kj williams had 39 31 in the second half at moorhead state and a come from a high win for murray state they got three guys on his team two guards goodman two lead guards a point guard and a combo guard right yeah they got three guys that can beat you yeah i listen again i i watched juice hill go for like 37 earlier this year um tevin brown's one of the better shooters and a proven shooter KJ Williams gives gives him something up front. Yeah, I, I I honestly think this team they got three dudes and they got a really good coach in Matt McMahon. So I don't I don't see why this Murray State team can't win two games if they're put in the right bracket against the right matchups. Mm-hmm. RC, we got another game. We got a couple title games tomorrow. We'll we'll talk about the Missouri Valley in one second. But you're calling a game. How how prepped are you for the the Big South title game? Right. Yeah, uh, well, it's the semis. semis. So I got the Southern Conference semis tomorrow, and then Southern the Conference championship on Monday. Yeah, I got the semis tomorrow. So, Are you a ready for games, it? You know. yeah, yeah. I got a shout out I to our guy Ogilvy. They had a couple of good games today. Yeah, they did. yeah. I, I'm a big fan. Like to me, you know, obviously it was great being here. And then I got to gear up to do. I'm going to go Big East, Big Ten, and then Vegas for for Mountain West and, and Pac-12. But I miss hey, not, going not to, to cut like, you off, but make sure make sure you're paying attention because we're going to be broadcasting from Madison Square Garden Thursday yes. and the Friday of Big East tournament, and from the floor Barclay Saturday night at the ACC tournament. It's going to get reckless. It's going to get wild. Buckle up. Go ahead, Goodman. I, I might I might even throw uh, fists at you at some point during the show if you say something dumb. I mean, I can't do it over <laughs> over Zoom, but if if you come at me about Wisconsin or something like that or Say something disparaging about Kirk Creesa. I might, I might do, have you, to Juwan Howard you. I might Juwan Howard you. Throw, throw fists. Okay. I, I, okay. But open. Right, I won't. You won't close it, Jeff. It'll, it'll start like like it did with Juwan, and then I'll open it at the end. You're going to do the face mush? Yeah. Yeah, I'll mush you. Yeah, I'm going to mush you. That's what I'm going to do. Great. Yeah, I'm going to make sure that John Fanta is sitting in between us. So it, I know you won't hurt him. John Fanta is a national no, treasure. You can't so hurt Fanta. I mean, I could hurt you, <laughs> but I can't. You can't do anything to Fanta. Like he's he's too. I don't know. He look he looks too vulnerable. 
But yeah, but to add add to your point, though, watching these teams every, you know, like sometimes you get to the semis and you talk about they're playing and they're okay. They know they're going to play afterwards, so it's a little bit different. Where you're in these one big leagues, they are going apeshit. Yeah. Like everybody's going. It's so much online. Like that was the best part about watching all the games today. It's like everybody's in it. And that's not always the case, you know, in in the Power Five. No, you knew when you played at Wake, yeah, right? Yeah, you like, know. Yeah, you like know. You're playing like, for seed. Yeah, yeah. You're playing for seed as opposed to yeah. them. They're it's playing the like, if we don't win, we're getting out. Everybody from the water boy, the managers, everybody's going crazy. All right, let's talk about another one of those tournament title games. We have it tomorrow. It's Loyola against Drake. Drake and Missouri State played a wild one today. We had a couple buzzer beaters, um, a game winner. Drake ended up winning thanks to uh, – Darian DeVries' son hit two free throws with 1.1 seconds left to put them in the title game against Loyola Chicago, our, uh, our, our, normal, uh, our normal foe there, who was the four seed in the Missouri Valley Tournament, believe it or not. Um, Goodman, how good is Loyola, and are they playing for their tournament lives tomorrow? Do you think that they can get an at-large bid? I think they're in now. I think they're already in. I mean, if you look at it and you look at, again, some of these teams that keep losing on the bubble, you know, again, we, we, we talked about a few of them already today. Uh, Indiana lost today. Help me out. Uh, some of the other teams, uh, Virginia Tech lost today. Oregon's done. I mean, we can North, eliminate Oregon. North Texas, VCU, North Texas and VCU had bad losses. I'm saying, like, there's a bunch that have lost now. And I think, you know, to me, again, like Miami's in. At this point, Miami, we can say, is firmly in. I think Loyola is firmly in at this point. Now, again, could they be first four? Maybe, maybe if they lose this game, but I I think they're in pretty good shape. Uh, They are, as it stands, currently not part of the field, um, according to uh, the fielding, the 68 guys. I think they were one of the first four out on the consensus there. Randolph, we got about a minute left here. What's your take on Loyola Chicago? Does this team have a chance to get in? And if they do get in, are they one of these uh, Loyola teams that can make a run? I think they got to win a league. I just think they got to win a league. I like them. I think they've they've had a good year, but I think they got to win a league. And, and I don't think they're gonna go far, you know, when they get in if they get in. But I think they got to win it. They got to beat Drake. You know, I I don't think they're gonna be. Yeah, you know, I don't think they're gonna. Their resume now is gonna be strong enough to get them in if they don't finish it off. They don't. Yeah. They don't win. You know, Missouri Valley. I don't think they're gonna get in. Yeah, and the other problem is that if they lose to Drake, then you have a loss to Drake right. on a neutral yeah. court on your resume, which certainly doesn't help either. And they, like, they I just have... want – I want these mid-majors in. I, I just feel like this year like, – This is the year. Yeah, like I, I think this we year. say it every year. But but this year more so than ever because, again, like I don't want to see a fifth ACC team in. I don't. I don't even want to see a fourth ACC team in at yeah. the end of the day. Sorry, sorry to your Wake Forest guys, uh, Randolph, but I don't know. If they, uh, I don't. I don't know how many people want to see them in. Hey, listen, this has been a wild day of college basketball. North Carolina, the team of the day, they went into the camera and knocked off Duke and Coach Kane. His last game in the building. This is the Field of Sixty Eight After Dark. So for Randolph Childress, for Jeff Goodman, my name is Rob Doster. We'll see you guys tomorrow night. Andrew Clare. All right. It is the afters. It's always fun uh, on the afters. Goodman, um, while you are there. You know what's fun? 
you fun. know what's going to be fun to see how how charged my phone was before this because I didn't think I'd be using my phone for this show. So <laughs> I, I could go at any point, and and yeah. I also have a six thirty flight. Going no, I don't want to. That's that. That sounds like that sounds like a mistake that you made booking a six thirty flight. But let me it, ask you a question. You're you're in a you're in a hotel right now, which means you're on public Wi-Fi, right? Yes. So, yeah. so do you know do you know that the best way to protect yourself against uh, against having an issue with public Wi-Fi, NordVPN is the best way to give yourself peace of mind while you are online. And with all of the threats that you face today on the internet on a public Wi-Fi, you know who site, uses NordVPN? You know who uses it? This K, guy K uses NordVPN. The K bobblehead. It is more important than ever to be sure that you have the best VPN that you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service, offering the fastest connectivity in most servers and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything that you do online stays secure. Plus, you can use NordVPN on all of your computers and all of your devices, no matter the operating system. With Nord's Unlimited bandwidth, you never have to worry about a slow connection, and plans start at just under $4 a month. So grab your exclusive Nord VPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe, or use the code believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get up to 70% off your Nord VPN plan plus one additional month for free. The code is B-L-E-A-V. All right, what are we going to do for the afters here, Dagan? What do you got for us? You got some questions? I got one. I got one for RC before we get going. Give me your, your, give me your, and I know you've had it. Give me your greatest Cameron indoor moment. My junior year against Grant Hill, the 94 national championship runner up, hitting uh, a three with maybe under 10 seconds left. I got a picture of it in my, in my, in my house. Uh, down two, pulling up for three, hitting the really? three. Yeah. Can we beat how much? I had game winners. I had winners my junior and senior year in Cameron. Crazy. Yeah. How much uh, shit did you talk to the crazy? Seriously. Oh, listen, no, listen. I, I I threw my ball in the crowd. I threw my gun in the crowd. Uh, I had we had to have a press conference because I, they wanted me to apologize, and I was so mad. I was like, I, I, I apologize to Coach K and the players if he felt I disrespected him. I said, but I ain't apologize to them fans. Because you know back then the crazies could say whatever. Like if you yes. did something wrong, like if guys got accused of anything, they'd come in there the next day with the posters of it. Like it was insane back then. So I yeah, it's like, not that bad apologize. now. No, no, they won't they, they got rid of all that stuff now. They won't let right. that happen. But so Can that you would imagine what would happen in 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 twenty twenty two with the way this stuff goes viral. If someone, if like, imagine if Caleb Love today walked in there, took his gum, and threw it into the camera, crazies. it'd be that would be a problem. <laughs> if that would not imagine, well. imagine with the stuff that you, the access you have, social media wise, and they could do what they did back then. Yeah. Like they would yeah. be looking on your social media and just killing you, kill you, kill you, and they're holding stuff up that you posted on it, and it'll just be, just, just read. like, yeah. like think about the stuff that they would do, like. To a guy like 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 a McGinnis, not just my move, but the stories about the stuff that he was doing back yeah. to me. Are you oh, kidding yeah. me? Oh my gosh! Like they, yeah. the stuff, oh, it would look bad. I mean, I may give him some stuff on Steve Forbes next time Wake comes in. <laughs> I may just give him dirt on Forbes. <laughs> you know, you want to know what my favorite uh, my favorite Cameron Crazy story is? Um, 
when I think it was Nick Kaner medley was at Maryland, right? I think that was about the same time that um, who was the, who was the one and done on the 99 team that made it to the final and lost to UConn. What was his name? Played with Elton brand, the Jack dude, he played in the NBA for like, like 15 years. No, Myron piggy was his guy. Um, Rush. Brandon Rush? No, he played at Duke. I mean, uh, uh, played at Duke. Myron um, Piggy was Corey McGetty. Corey, Piggy... Corey McGetty. Oh, okay, got it. Corey McGetty. So it was the Maryland fans. Um, someone told the camera crazies that Nick Kaner Medley's girlfriend was named Myra and that her nickname for him was Piggy. And so what they did the whole game, what like when they played Maryland at home, was they started chanting at Nick Kaner Medley, Myra and Piggy. So when you say it really fast, Myron Piggy, Myron Piggy, Myron Piggy. So they chanted the whole game, Myron Piggy, when uh, when Maryland was playing at Duke. I think this was like 1999, somewhere around there, when Maryland was still part of the ACC. I love that. That's great. Was that a they Jeff Gordon story, Dagan? Yeah, they're living off their reputation now. But back then, when they were allowed to cut up and make <laughs> some crazy stuff, they were allowed to be really wild. Dig, yeah, they're not mean. Say whatever they want. They, they so used to be mean. What's the craziest nah, thing they said anymore. to you? You know what? They couldn't say, honestly, they, they couldn't say much to me because I never lost it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what are you going to say? Right. Like, shit. Like, I never lost in the building. So it's like, like, what are you going to say? Like, I, there's nothing. I didn't have anything crazy. It was just like, all right, shut up. Game went about. Like, like junior senior year game. Like, I, I never lost in Cambridge. So, That's like, what insane. if they don't play to you? That is insane, by the way. Yeah, uh, you know, and it, it, it is and it say that now, but at that time, I mean, we expected it, but it's weird. Like, I've never lost there. RC, wow. I've never lost. I was going to say, what's either. crazy is the rest of us have also never lost yeah. there. <laughs> it's really, it's, 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm not all that impressed, man. Come on. You know, <laughs> hey, it's, it's just... <laughs> all right. What else we got, Dave? We got any other questions? Yeah, and apparently some people are saying that was a Goodman story, Dulcer. So yeah, it was, it was bad. That was worse than mine. Tough, I, don't know, I don't know. Oh, I don't come know. on, come on. What do you mean? Come on. I had a great come Kirk Reese's story. No, no, you didn't. No, you, you didn't did tell a. You you did not tell the great Kirk Reese's story. Well, I could. You were like, I could. You you built you built it up, and then you were like, yeah, you know what? I can't tell you the story. Yeah. Of all the Kirk Reese's yeah, stories, you need to get me a lot. Yours is on the bottom. You need to get me a few more drinks in me before I'll tell it in New Orleans. There you go. Perfect. There we go. Um, let's go back here and see. So apparently, you, uh, USC, UCLA, a lot of fans are talking about that. What are you guys' Close. thoughts on that game? Yeah. Uh, I've, I've only, I haven't really been watching it, but um, did wasn't UCLA just up like fifteen points? They're up three minutes. Right now they're up four with uh, forty-five seconds left. Ju Zhang not playing. Looks like he's struggling. Hawkeyes has been really good. I just don't think USC is that good. So I, honestly. I would expect UCLA at home at Poly to be in control. Like it worries me now. UCLA is starting to worry me, and I, I don't I think they're going to be able to turn it on. I said it the other night run. too, man. I, I don't. I'm not buying right? them being able to make a run. It just feels like it never the stop and start and all yeah. the COVID yeah. stuff and too much. the fact that like everyone. It seems like every other game they got another kid that's banged up. I yeah. just I'm not I'm not in on UCLA this year. Which of course means that Johnny Juzang is not going to miss a shot until the Elite Eight. That's just the way. Yeah, he's not going to do it again. He's not going to do it again. 
let me yeah. ask you guys this. Um, at what point should we start talking a little bit more about Villanova as a team that could actually make a run? Like I, I've said this for a while. I've been on this for weeks now of I'm putting Villanova in the top tier now group of teams that I think can win this whole thing. I'm ready. I'm putting them in. Gillespie, to me, is the most clutch, reliable guard in the country. They just have that culture. They move the ball. They make things easier for one another. Uh, they're big who I was worried about, Eric Dixon, at the beginning of the year, has come on. And he's not your traditional big, right? I mean, he's undersized, but you could throw the ball to him in the post. He's tough. He can't get in foul trouble because they don't have anybody else. But, you know, listen, can they have a three for 23 night from three and win? Probably not. But you're hoping you don't have – I think that, that goes for almost any team for the most part. If you have one of those, you're probably bowing out. Yeah, and, and you know what else? This was a good point that uh, that Drew Bauer just threw down in the in the chat is that Villanova, in all likelihood, is going to end up playing at the Wells Fargo Center, which is their right. uh, their They're secondary allowed. home gym. Yeah, their secondary home gym. Um, I don't know if that's going to be a hundred percent because if they end up on the two seed line, then they'll probably just be wherever. Like the they'll probably be the last two seed. Um, so I think they probably want to be a three C, which means they'll be playing in a de facto home gym. You mentioned something, Goodman, that I, I, I want both of your answers on. Give me the list of guys, like top three, top five, whatever it is. You say Colin Gillespie, most clutch player in the country, right? Coming down the stretch, you got 15 seconds left in the game. Your team's down by one. RC, who? Johnny Davis. Do you want Johnny Davis? Johnny Davis. Who else? Give me, give me like four play. or five guys. I want, John, um, I want Johnny Davis. J.D. Note? I might have J- J- J.D. Note. Yeah, Note might, yeah. I like Johnny Davis. Beast. I like J.D. Note. Gillespie, I think, needs to be in that conversation. Ron Harper Jr., to me, mm. how, many, how many big shots does he hit? I think he's I got know, three but, game winners this year. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I just, I, you know, obviously, like, Keegan Murray is a guy that I would like, I would like to have in the, you know, like – to me, I mean, Jaden Ivey, like Jaden Ivey, he makes some crazy decisions sometimes, but more often than not, he's going to make a play. He's not afraid uh, of it. He's not afraid of the moment. He wants it. He wants it. He wants yeah, it. but here, here's the thing. If you watch them at the end of games, they go to Trevion Williams. That's Purdue runs stuff through Trevion Williams when they need a bucket in clutch situations. So if Matt Painter is saying, yeah, I don't know if I can trust this guy at this point, I'm going to give the ball. For the most part, yeah. Like Trevion Williams is the best decision maker on that team. I think that might be a team because I've seen them at times just put the ball. They'll do a dribble handoff or something, put the ball in Jay Ivey hands and then go make a play. Now it may, yeah, yeah. I think it's on who they playing. Where would uh, your boy Kirk Kreese fall into that conversation? One. I mean, no, Kirk Kreese is number one in that conversation <laughs> because he is fearless. He wants the ball in his hands, and after he puts up the game winner, he's just gonna have a celebration like nobody else in this on this planet. Unless like it's in, unless it's in Tucson, because he can't get in dirt bags. He got in the next time <laughs> when I tweeted out so. dirt bags. They let him in right away. He told me so. We, we were okay there, but we we need Kirk Creasa in New Orleans. Like, how badly do we need Kirk Creasa in New Orleans? I don't know if Kirk Creasa would survive New Orleans. 
How would Tommy you- Lloyd handle Kirk Reese in New Orleans? Seriously. He wouldn't. He wouldn't. You just, you just, you just hope just let him go. Up. You just, right. you just, just let him go and no curfew. We're, we're, we're really painting Kirk Reese as a real degenerate on here. Like, I don't, I don't know the guy at all. No, he was drinking non alcoholic drinks at, oh at, at dirt go. bags. Come on. Here we go. Here we go. He was. Uh, that last one I got for you. When, when we talk about clutch players and guys you want with the ball in their hands and big moments, where does Jared Bynum and or Al Durham fall into that conversation? Trent Frazier for me. How's that? Love him. I, I like awesome. Trent Frazier. He's a dude. Like, Trent Frazier does not get enough credit. Now, again, Illinois is kind of disjointed at times, but Frazier's had to take on a completely different role this year. Done it like so seamlessly for me. Like he can make the big shot if you need him to. He can he he's one of the few guys. He's not even a natural point guard. And he does a great job getting the ball to Kofi where he needs it. Whether it's lobs, whether it's it's low post entry passes, whatever it is. I think Trent Frazier and he, he can defend. I think Trent Frazier is like as underrated and I know we don't underrate him. But I think a lot of people do around the country. I got a good one for you guys. I love this. Uh, Joey Steven, Stefan, I'm, I'm sorry if I got your last name wrong. The Mount Rushmore of best teams not to win the national title. He has uh, UNLV in 1991, Duke yep. in 1999, Illinois in 2005, and Kentucky in 2015. Is there anybody that you would put on that list that is not – on that list. I, I didn't think Kentucky was as I know I, I know they ran the table, but like I felt like the SEC wasn't very good that year. I, I don't put Kentucky as high as some people because I just didn't think the league was as good that year. But that was me. I think you can add Gonzaga to that list if they don't win it this yeah. year. Right. If they don't win it this year, I'd add them to the list. I think I it's mean, a pretty they, good top four right there. Is Gonzaga your clear cut? Like, if you're if today, if you guys are both picking one team, both going with Gonzaga because of their balance, because of their their how they fit together, uh, guard play, like they got everything, don't they? Like they're the team that has the fewest apparent weaknesses. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I I, I, I think so. I, I they are, but there's also we've seen them get beat by a team that plays faster than them in Alabama. We've seen them get beat by a team that was more physical and more athletic than them in Duke. And we saw them get beat by a team that just controlled tempo and did not let them get out in transition like St. Mary's. Like we've seen multiple ways to beat them. Yeah. So, but there's no I, dominant I, team. I'm just saying that's, like, well, that's, who, that's my point. Like I, I think that Gonzaga is probably the best team and deservedly to be the favorite, but like the, the metrics have them overwhelmingly the best. The betting markets have them overwhelmingly the favor, and I don't think there's anything overwhelming about oh, I them. Think they're overwhelming either. I, I don't. I agree with you. I think most of us would take them over everybody else, just because. Again, you look at them and you're like, "All right, they're even shooting the ball well this year." So what's their what's the downside? And, and it's funny. I, I have one NBA guy. Most NBA guys I've talked to love Chet, really like Chet and his upside. And then I have one guy who I talked to um, yesterday, and he was like, I don't think Chet's even close to being ready to play in the league. Like, he's years away because, again, his body, his base. And he said to me, he was like, when's the last dude you saw 
come into the NBA with that type of body and be successful. And, and I, 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 agree to that. I, I agree to that, though. I, I don't think he's physically ready. Yeah, it's going to take him some time. Like, he's not a guy that you need to draft. If you're going to throw him out there to the Lions, I don't think it's a good fit. I think you need to put him in position where you gradually get him physically ready to play in that league. But I think they're the team – I like them because I think they're the team that they got enough balance that they can adapt where yeah. that they're the one team that no matter what – like, everyone else, I think it's it's a matchup style. That you're like, oh, if they play against this team, they're going to be in trouble. I think they got the least amount of weaknesses about who they match up with. Right. Than probably anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. That's I why agree. I'm so big. But that's why I'm so big on uh, the freshman wise. I was so big on Auburn. I think from an offensive standpoint, I think Jabari, we always talk about the big three all year long. Yeah. I think Jabari is the best of those three guys. I, agree. I would take him on. I would take him on. I think especially with the league going the way it's going with these versatile forwards. Like, you know, like he's got some like Jason Tatum to his game, right? Like you, you can just see it. You could see the, the versatility. And, and again, like Tatum put on, I mean, he's put on a ton of weight over the last mm -hmm. three, four years. You could see that with Jabari. Jabari's going to get much stronger. Tatum was honestly – as recently as like two, two and a half years ago, he would he would be scared of contact. He, he he would honestly try to avoid contact at all costs. Now he embraces it, uh, he absorbs it. Jabari will eventually be that type of guy too. But you know what the thing about Tatum, like he's he's like Anthony Davis in that their shoulders are like out to right. here, right? Yes. They were so yes. broad. All, you could you could put a whole bunch of weight on them, and that I mean, if you look at Tatum now, like he's put a ton of muscle on because he's totally. got the frame to be able to hold it. Chet doesn't have that, and right. Jabari like he's Jabari a little does. bit thinner. Jabari's got more of it. Jabari, could, yeah, he's got he more of add. it. Yeah, you know who he kind of reminds me of, and like you guys are probably going to think that this is a little bit crazy, but he reminds me a little bit of Carmelo in the sense that when he's at his best, you kind of get him in like those mid post ISOs where you just give him the ball, let him work his jab series, and find a way to get a shot off. Right, like that is when he's at his absolute best. Now, I think Jabari, I did not realize how much dog he had in him. Yeah, we I, that was one of the things I loved about Chet coming in. Or see, we talked about this on the preview show. Right. That that right. that dude, that dude is a fighter, right? Like he is tough. You would not expect the white dude from Minnesota named Chet to be as tough as he is, but he is yeah. tough as hell. Jabari's got that in him too. And it comes out, you see it, you see it in flashes on the defensive end. Like that, he, he's not you know, for guys that are just shooters, like he's not soft, man. He's he's tough as hell, and he will guard. He will put in the okay, RC, right. give me the comparison with Paulo. Like I said before the season, Chris Weber, and even tonight I saw it a little bit. Like he got the ball off the glass and, and went, um, you know, coast to coast, and he's got that that power, that power game, athletic, tough, strong, all of it can put on the floor. Some I think C Web was a better passer at the same stage. Um, do you see it, or do you see somebody else better? More no, I, I, I was going to say that, but he's oh, like a right-handed Derek Coleman with the ball handling skills of that size, a guy that snatches. Yeah. He's not the lefty like that, but I, I would say to see where – the thing that concerns me about him is that he's going to have to work on his shot. It's not just – it's just so sporadic. It's so inconsistent. Yeah. I think he shoots it on the way down at times. I think he's just all over the place with it. it, it it's not that he's fundamentally bad. But man, he 
I think he's he's he waits too long. He comes out and try to feel like, hey, am I making jump shots today? And then he starts trying to, you know, if he doesn't settle, then they could be really good. Yeah. But but you know, I I think Jabari is the one I would take of those three, and then it becomes my biggest issue with Chet is just you got to be patient with him because he needs mm-hmm. he needs time to get really really strong. Well, it's a it's it's the same thing you worried about with Zion from a different end, right? You worried yeah, about Zion yeah. carrying too much weight in the injuries and it's proven to be true and you worry about chet not having enough weight in the injuries yeah, yeah chet's gonna need he's gonna go ahead i'm sorry chet's gonna be the same he's gonna be need to be drafted in the same situation he is playing at gonzaga he needs to be next to a guy that can relieve him of all that physicality yep. if you had to choose right now right you you would choose evan mobley or chet holmgren to build around are you taking evan mobley or chet because i think i'm taking evan mobley it's a tough call. That's a tough call because Chet's wow. upside is probably higher. But you know what you're going to get out of Mobley. And, man, he, he – like, Mobley's never – in my opinion, he's never going to be a top – I don't think he's going to be a top ten player in the league. He could be a five-time all-star at the end of his career, and that wouldn't surprise me. Where Chet is kind of like – I don't want to say all or nothing. It might be all or nothing. Yeah, I mean, I it just – there's a – to me, there's a very real chance that he never puts on enough weight to be able to actually compete in the NBA. Like, I, I get it with the numbers. I get it with how impressive he is now. I just – you got to be so fucking strong to be able to survive in the NBA. Like, the even the guys that aren't big guys – Was that – Dirk was here tonight. Dirk was here tonight. And I was kind of looking at his – you couldn't tell, obviously. But, um, you know, you, you're hoping that Chet can put on enough weight I mean, KD was so skinny when he was younger. He was so skinny when I first saw him. And, you know, he's not big now, but he put on a little each year. And that's kind of what Chet's going to have to do. Yeah, but he was also a through-and-through guard. Yes, he was a legit guard. Yeah, KD is just a seven-foot guard. Chet Holmgren is a a center that has some ball skills. And to me, that that is the entire difference, right? Yes, yes. I think so, KD has always been a perimeter, a guard. He right. was just – you just you play it in that way. I think my concern with Chet is he has – like we talked about – you guys talked about AD and his shoulders. I think he's the opposite. I think he's so small, I don't know how much weight he can add. Yeah. Agreed. Like we're just saying it like agree. it's a full-guard yeah. conclusion. Like it's yeah. you and I, Jeff, getting older. Like, man, we're going we're gonna to add some pounds. Like I, I don't know if he could – he can add weight. Like he physically allowed yeah. to do it. All right, let me ask you guys this question. Um, I, I asked this to uh, Ashton Gibbs and um, Steve Prohm the other night. Who is the guy in this draft that you think can have a Dante DiVincenzo kind of a run where they go from being someone that is kind of an afterthought when it comes to maybe leaving school early to being a lottery pick, top 10 pick, top 15 mm. pick kind of a player? Like who is the guy that you think can turn it around? So I'll, while you think about it, I'll give you mine. It's mine is Christian Brown because you have a guy that's tough that can shoot it that has the size to be a little bit versatile and positionally um, effective defensively. He's more athletic than you would think looking at a um, looking at a white kid from the middle of Kansas. So um, I to me, if they can make a run, he could find a way to, to put up some numbers. Like he's been hidden by Oshai for quite a bit of time this year. I think he's a guy that might surprise some people and, and climb up draft boards. Is that is that crazy? I don't. Yeah, I mean, he maybe he can get in the late first round. Yeah, I could see that. I don't think he can move all the way up to like what 
DiVincenzo uh, did. But, DiVincenzo yeah, was 17. I mean, he went 17th. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, my guy there, I'm trying to think of who, who it would be at this point. I mean, my guy would already be up there. He's already a top 20 pick, but I guess he could move. He can move into the top 10 if he somehow goes off. NBA guys already love Malachi Brandon. They love him. So he's gone from where he wasn't even – I don't even know if he was on draft boards going into the year. I'm sure he was because no, nobody he knew wasn't. anything about him. He was like a top 40 player uh, coming out of high school into Ohio State. and He started yeah, he, slow. He already made the leap. I would, I would make the argument that he already made the leap. Like he's, he's, he's like a – he's a first-round pick already. He's probably definitely gone. a first round pick, but he could he could go up. Listen, Malachi Brandon, if he has a couple like big time games and they go to the, like the elite eight, he could go up to the top like ten potentially if he does that. If he has a thirty, mm-hmm. he could he could. I'm telling you, because he's just that dude that like is different. And again, we're trying to find those guys right now, right? The the guys that can just make a play with the ball in their hands that have good size. Uh, that are kind of those those scoring wings, and that's what he is. Mm-hmm. I'll throw this at you guys. I, I'll take the Notre Dame freshman, Blake Wesley. Oh, I love him. I love Blake Wesley. I love Blake Wesley. I take him. I think he's someone that can get in the tournament yeah. and, and get in front yep. of a national audience. And no one – we didn't even know what he was upset. in college. And yeah. then he can go out there and do some things. And then he's just – and he's slowly creeping up the draft boards where nobody knew him. Right. And then now right. he's creeping up to the second round. Now he's at the bottom of the first round. And he's a, a NCAA call. tournament explosion away or this weekend from putting it on yeah. map and then just rising up the draft board. Because he is the reason that Notre Dame is third oh, seed in the 100%, tournament. 100%. 100%. Mike Bray would admit that. All right, Dagan, do we have any more questions in the chat? I've just been letting you guys go. You know, talk your NBA draft. Um, there was a few a while back. All right, back so that then let's. I, I got another one for you guys. Just who is going. the? Yeah, fire. Give me, give me your pick for who you think can be a bid thief. Good, and I'll go to you first on this one. Who is the? Who, what team do you think is gonna end up being one of these bid stealers that will knock someone like a, maybe a VCU or someone at that level out of the? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think the A ten, the A ten. It could be shit. It could be anybody, right? I mean, Ooh. you're looking at it. And, you know, anybody can win that league all the way down to like Richmond. So um, that'll be an interesting one, you know, for sure. I would say, again, like, why can't somebody uh, like Pac-12? Could somebody – we've given up on Oregon. Could they go – Washington State, Colorado. Could somebody get to the championship game of the Pac-12 tournament? Somebody's, somebody's going to get to the semis that we didn't expect. You know that. Then they're gonna, you know, talk about it one game away. I, I think that's that's one for sure. I'm trying to think of is there another bid stealer? There's one See, that I say, say, I got St. John. St. John's is one. It's a similar mine is a similar situation to St. John's. They're playing. Let's see if Goodman can get this. They're playing their tournament in their home arena. It is a four, a three to four bid league, depending on how some things kind of play out. They will be in Las Vegas with you, championship yeah. week. Who is it? Um, what are you going to say? UNLV. UNLV. Oh, you're out of your mind. They've won seven. They've won seven out of you're the last of ten. <laughs> they've won seven out of the last ten. They have a couple game changers on their roster. They're playing in their own arena. 
Go look no. at what they've done. They've been no. playing really well no. of late. No. They've been covering of late. No. They've been uh, they no. they've been uh they getting through Colorado State, Boise, San Diego no. State. No way. No chance. No, no. We'll see. No. no. We'll see. There, there's no chance. You're saying there's no chance that a team that has won seven of their last ten games that has That's Lon Kruger, yeah. that has Lon Kruger as an advisor on that roster, can win three games in a row in their home gym. You don't think it's not possible at all? Zero chance. I have Lon, I have one bit of information for you too. Do you currently know that UNLV is losing by twenty to New Mexico right now? <laughs> oh, you ruined it. You ruined it. <laughs> Poor Bobby D. That was it. That was it. Oh Dang man, it. I was so Thank I was on a roll. Came through, boom. Yeah. <laughs> The knockout punch from Dagan Hayes. That one hurt. Continue. <laughs> continue. I have one though, and no. I've said this multiple times. I'm gonna I'm chipping in here. I have one. I think it's Virginia Tech. I think Virginia Tech can, Tech? can, can make a run. I like that. I mean somebody again, somebody could easily get to the ACC final that we didn't expect. I mean, especially now, Duke coming off this, how are they gonna respond? Uh, very well. They're going to win every game in Brooklyn by forty. <laughs> can you can you imagine what imagine what practice, they're probably running sprints right now? What, I wonder if Coach K would. You know how his thing is. Oh what? Uh, there goes Goodman. There we just lost Goodman. <laughs> uh, Randolph, you know how um, how Coach K's thing is to go and take the jerseys away from people. You know how that's his thing. Do you think he's going out and taking all those like? Uh, K's like the T-shirts from all of the alums that were in the stand and say, "Nah, you can't be part of the Duke family. We're gonna play like that." <laughs> you know what? I wonder. I really wonder about that with him. I know we started with Duke tonight. I, I really <laughs> wonder. Is the hey, Goodman's back? I really wonder. I think, what 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 is he feeling right now? Like Coach K, does he really want to go off on those guys, or does he feel responsible with all this pressure? No, like, he I really wants wonder to go if he's struggling with that. You know, I don't know, but, you but Goodman just sneezed his way off of the Zoom. I don't know if I've ever seen My sneeze kicked me off. Kicked me off the Zoom. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> uh, unbelievable. All right. Um, well, let's, let's let's get to three cheers, man. You guys got anything else we need to talk about tonight? No, I need to shit? get to bed. All right. Yeah. I, this guy cheers, told then. me I got to get to sleep soon. All right. This guy go. right here. All right. Otherwise, he's going to make me run. Let's do let's do three cheers. Goodman, you started off. All right, I'm 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 giving it. I mean, I think I got to give it to uh, to RJ, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm looking. I'm seeing if there's anybody else, but RJ Davis to me was the guy who controlled the game tonight. Like he was he was the dude. I mean, Brady Manick was great. He had. Uh, he had 20 points and, and hit five threes. He probably gave up 25 on the other end, but but he was still really good on the offensive. And RJ was, to me, the dominant player tonight. Uh, he was the best player on the floor overall. And every time they needed a big play, he, he made it. So I'm giving it RJ Davis uh, and Hubert Davis. The Davis boys. All right, I'm giving it to the Davis boys from Carolina. <laughs> the Didn't come out the game either. Yeah. Right? He, he played 40 minutes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it to our guy Terrence Oglesby. T O, he had he called all four semifinal games today. 
uh, quarterfinal games today in the uh, Southern Conference, man. So wow. He crushed it today. I got did four straight games back to back, man. So that's the most he that's the most work he's ever done. Ever. <laughs> Good job, Tio. Good job. Yeah. Right now, Tio's been asleep for how long? Mm. Last one in. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, he's 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 definitely right away. Um, we had a couple uh a couple game winners that I want to shout out. Um I'm trying to make sure that I have them right. We had uh, DeVries. What's the, who is the son and who's the coach? I always get them confused at Drake. Tucker is the son. Darian's the dad. Okay, so Tucker DeVries hit two free throws um, with uh, with 1.1 seconds left in overtime to give Drake a win in the semifinals of the Missouri Valley Tournament. So I'm going to give him a cheers. Um, we also had uh, a buzzer beater. Um, I think it was, I can't remember who it was. I'm trying to scroll. I'll, I'll find it later. But my my cheers, my biggest cheers is going to go out to Darius Lee. Do you guys know who Darius Lee is? No clue. No. Should Darius, I? Darius, I would hope not. Does Darius he play for Lee, Vassar? Does he play for Vassar? Darius Lee is the starting two guard for Houston Baptist. Darius, oh. Lee's, Darius Lee's line tonight, 52 points. 52 points, 18 Jeez. rebounds, five assists, three steals, and a block. He was 16 wow. for 30 from the floor. He scored 52 points. He didn't make a single three-pointer. Houston Baptist won 149 to 144 in quadruple overtime. Wow. Wow. So Darius. By Lee, the way, we're not, you know who we're not going to toast? Who? Because they're going to lose to San Francisco and they're going to be in the outside looking in. That, Oregon and BYU probably saw their bubbles pop today. Mm. Oregon was on the way out, but BYU, yeah, BYU is uh, is is in some big trouble. So I'm going to toast to the the hope of the Indiana Hoosiers in the Big Ten tournament. All right, Indiana Hoosiers, Big Ten tournament. Come on, come on, need it. Oh, Colorado State got a win tonight, too. How about that? I missed that. Good for Colorado State. All right. That was the field of 68 after dark. So, for Randolph Childress, for Jeff Goodman, and for our producer, Dagan, my name is Rob Doster. We will see you guys again tomorrow night, 11 p.m. Eastern. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-Month Emergency Food Kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com